1: I'm Susan Packard. My whole career has been in media. I've been in the startup teams of a number of cable brands. Most recently, I was the second employee at HGTV and it's chief operating officer. And since then, I've been writing books. There's this inverse relationship between likability and promotions for women, right? So the more they rise, the less likable they are. And that's not true for men. So because of that, we have to be, I believe, a little more careful and composed in terms of how we carry ourselves when we're in those leadership positions, just so that we can maintain the authority that we need to maintain so that we can command a room.
0: This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Susan Packard is an entrepreneur, author, and business executive. As the co-founder of HGTV, she's a seasoned television executive who's also helped innovate programs for HBO and CNBC. She tells us how women can create their own rules to advance in any workplace. So, Susan, when you were a teen, in the summer times you often work with your dad, what did you
1: learn from him? Oh, I learned so much from my father. Um, the first thing that I learned was—I well, didn't have the words for it at the time—but the second, this book that I've written called *Fully Human* is about emotional fitness and it's about steadiness and peace of mind. And he was all of that. And he was really a hero to me. Um, I worked for him. Uh, I was his assistant. Um, I sat outside his office and did his, answered his phone and did all these things. And I heard him talk to clients and he never got angry, even when they were dressing him down. And I could hear it. Um, He was so uh, patient with them. And, you know, and then he would finish up on calls and he'd come out And he never took it out on anyone that was working in the office, whereas some of the other salespeople, that wasn't our experience. So um, he was my first real uh, expression of what I wanted to look like when I worked as an adult. Your
0: husband was a stay-at-home dad as you were raising your kids. What advice do you have for other women who
1: are breadwinners? Well, um, that's... Boy, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, first of all, I feel really lucky that my husband was willing to be a stay-at-home dad. Um, I will tell you today, you know, he looks back on it with fondness, but also with a little bit of, if I hadn't done that, maybe I could have. He was a teacher, and then he was a college professor, and he could have done more in his fields. But he doesn't regret it. Um, I think it's the same the thing that women go through. You know, if women decide that they're going to stay home for a while um, before they go back into work or, you know, you, you comp- it's all compromise. And you make those choices that are in the best interests of everyone involved. You
0: adopted your son. What advice would you give to parents whose children ask, who's am I?
1: Oh, my. That's a, that's a pretty deep question. Um, yeah. So um, one thing we did with Andrew, he's from Romania, is that even as a baby and into his first many years, we made sure made sure he knew that, even though he didn't really understand what that meant. Um, we showed him pictures of the country. We showed him maps. And. Um, And we gave him the word Romania, you know, so that he could talk about it. He sat and he would say in his like two-year-old language, "Hi, I'm Drew from Mania," because he couldn't get the "rope" part down. But um, so, I think it's really important wherever, if you adopt, wherever, whatever the origin of of the child is, U.S. or uh, anywhere else, that they know that they were loved and that they were chosen and. Um, it's just a different experience than the, the alternative. <laughs> you said
0: you had no self-awareness when you started working. How do you mean?
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't have good self-awareness for m- through my 20s and into my 30s, really. Um, and by that I mean that I knew I was better working than being a stay-at-home mom. I knew that I'd be a better mom working than as a stay-at-home mom. So that was a bit of self-awareness. I grew to see that I loved to start things up. So I had more entrepreneur in me than I did corporate. Um, So a couple of things I did know, but the real questions that I think we need to ask ourselves as leaders, which are the deep-down, introspective questions, those, um, you know, what do I stand for? What are my core principles? Those are what I had to get to over a period of really a couple of decades. How come that's important in business? That whole idea of self awareness and knowing your principles. Right. It's important because um, you can only stand with your people if you know what you stand for. You can only be in support of your people and help your people to grow and guide them. If you what you know what you stand for and as a model to them. And what's happening in the workplace today is we're not, it feels like we're not having enough good models of leadership. And so, you know, employees leave. You know, they don't want to work for somebody that's not likable or relatable or, um, you know, people that are barely human or on ego and power trips. They don't want to work for people like that and I wouldn't either. So they leave. And so, you know, what I try to talk about in my book is that from a leadership standpoint, and even from a, just a worker standpoint, to have a more well-rounded um, view of your job, you know, are you there for a purpose, for a purpose, not just a paycheck? And as a leader, are you there to help grow your organization, not just manage the P&L?
0: In your book, Full of Human, you speak about centering prayer and meditation. How come that's in a business book?
1: Right. And it's a really good question. Um, the first part of the book is about willingness. And willingness is to be willing to um, sit with yourself. And some of that is in silence because it's really only in silence that you can settle into yourself and know what the depths of know your depths, and that's where you find what your core principles are about, and that's where your most noble emotions lie. And so, in whether it's meditation or prayer or any kind of um, an experience of feeling that you um, have a have a quiet place, a peaceful place for you to be able to. And by the way, I work with high-level leaders all the time, and I tell them, this is really important, and they look at me in terror. I can't be in any kind of a quiet situation. I'm too busy to do that, I don't wanna do that. But the fact is, it's really how you get to know yourself is in that kind of a space.
0: In the early days of cable, you were often the only woman in the room. What's your advice for women today who find themselves in that situation?
1: And we still do, and it's actually very common. Um, uh, for me it was I never really thought about being the only woman in a room I just was I've always been so competitive with myself that I wanted to do the best job I could do and if it meant learning you know whoever it meant learning from and that happened to be men um, I was pretty much a sponge to learn what I could learn in the business and so um, the gender thing just sort of fell away. And I, you know, I, I guess I, I'm glad I didn't have a lens, a gen, gender lens while I was growing up in industry because I might have looked at things differently. So it helped me to, to not have that. It helped me to really learn all that I needed to learn. You say in business women
0: need to present their case succinctly and also quickly, mm. how come?
1: Right, that's in my first book, New Rules of the Game. Yes, um, I. Th- this is not a gender issue um, per se. This is just a time management f- issue, right? So time is the great enemy um, when you're building businesses and you're growing them. Uh, to take too many words to try to explain something, people don't have... A, I mean, there's a lot of ADD these days, you know. People don't have the patience and the focus to be able to listen to a lot of words, for one thing. And the other is, I think it's an important discipline. It's a mental discipline for you to be able to hone what, whatever your arguments are and your points are that you want to make. Um, it's something that I learned over time having to negotiate contracts And so I had, I was sort of like a fake lawyer, a faux lawyer, if you will, in that I felt like I got a degree, but I didn't have one because I was always negotiating contracts. And So that helped me too in getting much more concise and deliberate in how I would um, argue my case.
0: Coming up, Susan Packard tells us how being the only woman in the room drives her to overcome the challenges that come with being the boss. We've all felt left out, and for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. You also say women need to be composed in a business setting. What do you mean by that?
1: Um, Composed meaning that um, women are watched more than men, especially women in leadership. So to me, what that means is that how you carry yourself and how you communicate are really important. And if you fall apart, this gets back to all of the research on likability and women leaders. You know, um, as women rise in organizations, they, their leadership, their likability, it, there's this inverse relationship between likability and promotions for women, right? So the more they rise, the less likable they are. And that's not true for men. So because of that, we have to be, I believe, a little more careful and composed in terms of how we carry ourselves when we're in those leadership positions, just so that we can maintain the authority that we need to maintain so that we can command a room. What do you say to people say, oh, that's sexist, though? The guys don't have to do that. Right. Um, well... It's almost like saying, um, I don't like this culture, so um, I'm going to change it. I mean, we do the best we can, steps at a time to change how things are. And I'm trying to do that with the books that I write, and others are too, with how they, you know, whether it's um, a Me Too movement or whatever the case may be, to advocate for change. We have to do that. But we also need to be practical about our own success and what it means to, to be successful. And that's why I, got back, I get back to once you know yourself and you know what your principles are, your core principles are, then you can be comfortable with a lot of the environmental things and do the best you can to change them. But you also need to be within a practical framework of change.
0: In your book, you share that you were assaulted in a hotel room
1: while traveling on business. Would you share that story? Yes. Yeah, so I was um, mid-20s, and, um, you know, I they don't give you a course on safety when you travel in business. And I was very new to working and traveling for business. And um, so um, I was in a hotel, and... Um, I someone knocked on my door and I opened it and it was a gentleman and, you know, it ended up being in an assault. Um, today I look back on that and I say, why did I open the door? You know, I mean, just things like that. You know, why did I look through the little hole? But you can't live in the past like that. You know, what do you learn from something? So in my first book, I offer a lot of advice, tips, counsel on safety with travel. So I think women especially need that.
0: And what would you say to
1: other survivors? Um, I would say, you know, I mean, I'd love to meet you because I think, you know, it's always good to talk about these kinds of things. Um, Even today, sometimes I think about it, but, um, but again, you can't live in the past.
0: You say some of the most successful women are resilient. How so?
1: Absolutely. I mean, resilience. I think women, by the way, are have cornered the market on resilience um, because we have so many roles that we play in our lives. You know, we play um, child, taking care of parents. We take. We play mother, taking care of kids. We're spouse or partner, we're sister. We're all of these things, and we are still the primary caregiver in all of those roles, plus we work. Oh, by the way, we have a day job, right? So um, we have to be resilient, and I think that that's a credit to women that we are as resilient as we are.
0: Your mom and your sister died a couple weeks apart. How did you cope with that?
1: Oh, well, I took a leave uh, leave of absence from work uh, for 30 days. And I really had no idea what it would look like when I came back. It was actually at the same time as my contract at the company was up. So I didn't know whether I would even go back to work. I mean, Because my dad had died just two or three years before that. So it was like my whole half of my family was wiped out in a period of just a very short time. And um, I sat in quiet for 30 straight days and um, what I came what I concluded was my work family was so important to me at that moment in time I couldn't leave my work family and that's the way I saw my work um, so I re upped and I um, I just, you know, one foot in front of another, and I remember one situation. I remember the first meeting I had coming back, and it was that I had to drive to Nashville for this meeting, and um, I was crying the whole way to Nashville. I'm thinking, how am I going to show up at this meeting, you know, with my eyes all red? And, but um, it's amazing what we can do.
0: In your book, Fully Human, you talk about bouncing back from addiction and you're now sober. What's your advice for other women who are struggling in that situation?
1: Right, well, everyone has their own path. And um, I guess the most important advice is that um, there are all kinds of support systems out there to help you if you're just willing you know, to reach your hand out to ask for help. And that was the biggest part for me because no one ever even knew. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I drank or did anything during work. or I mean, no one knew. It was just me. I knew. You know, I just felt so empty. And so I finally got to a place where I just felt like I can't do this alone. I need help. And that's where you have to get to, is to that place. And then once you ask for help, it's incredible what help there is.
0: What's the best leadership advice you'd give to women?
1: Um, Know all of the dimensions of who you are and lead with all of those dimensions. So, you know, it's one thing to be a smart business builder, uh, to be a smart P&L builder. It's another thing to be a real leader of people. And that's where you give all of yourself to your people.
0: What do you see as the future of the cable business?
1: Um, Well, the future, if you define cable as the wire into the home, um, I would say it's primarily broadband for the cable business. For the programming business, which is the side I was on, it's blue sky because we will always want and need good content and good storytelling. And that's why Netflix has done as well. You know, you see how successful it's been. It's hired smart people. It's spent a zillion dollars on its programming. Amazon the same way. We always need good content. People want good stories. So, What's the best
0: personal finance advice you ever heard?
1: Don't always ask my husband. <laughs> see these pearls? I didn't ask my husband about these pearls. I just bought them.
0: <laughs> what type of investor are you?
1: Um... We're moderate and, um, you know, I mean, we're Midwest, we're both Midwest kids, if you will. So we're not extravagant. And, um, and so, you know, we don't need a lot, you know, relatively speaking, but, um, but we do enjoy life. And um, I would say that it's from a financial standpoint, we're, we're a, a moderate investor.
0: You said success is an inside job. What do you mean by that? Yep.
1: Well, it means that it it all starts with you, and you you meaning me, knowing myself, knowing what's important to me. And that's not just, um, you know, am I an introvert or an extrovert? What's my temperament? Those things are important because there are questions that you ask with um, whether or not I'm in a good job for me. Is this a good job fit for me, you know, is my temperament? Um, but also, as I've said before, earlier in this interview, it's about, you know, knowing um, who you are as a person and what's important to you and, um, and leading with all of that.
0: Time now for your secrets.
1: I'm Susan Packard. My money secret is that I bring a budget when I travel. And yes, I do sometimes exceed it, but I have in mind what I want to spend when I travel. And I think that just knowing that, because if I shop, I need to have that number in my head. It's just helpful and it's a guide. But like I said, sometimes I exceed it and that's okay too.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out more episodes of Secrets of Wealthy Women on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. And be on the lookout for our upcoming ebook based on the Secrets of Wealthy Women podcast. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter, use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.